Seems like every year there's one or two tech topics we end up having to cover to an annoying degree because the news just won't stop. Last year, it was NFTs and the metaverse, and once those were successfully bullied away for the most part, Elon Musk announced that he was buying Twitter, and eventually he did, after the courts told him he had to. <laughs> Uh, the Elon Twitter news has thankfully slowed down a little bit in the new year, though we do have plenty to talk about with regards to that later in today's show. Let's just push that all the way to the back. <laughs> uh, first, let's talk about AI. Only the most delusional and pot-committed prognosticators believe that Web3 and the metaverse were actually going to be the total game-changers that they were pitched as. But with AI, just because it sucks doesn't mean it's going to fail. In fact, all the ways that AI sucks are also the reasons it will probably succeed, because... The reason AI sucks is that it seeks to make humans and their hard-earned skills redundant. Yeah, so this topic garnered a lot of attention last year in the context of AI image generators being used to create complex, original works of art based off of simple text prompts. These apps certainly had their limitations and still do, but they are constantly improving. The hands still look bad, though. Get back to the drawing board. Yep, can't do those hands. And much of what they created looks, at least at first glance, like the work of a human being. In fact, there's been, uh, there was a famous case where uh, someone had their post removed because they thought it was AI art, despite them spending many yeah, hours doing it. Yeah. Uh, so this is all controversial, not just because it threatens the livelihood of artists who have honed their skills through years of hard work, but also because these AI models are trained using the works of artists that it seeks to render obsolete. And it doesn't help that so many of these new AI artists are openly hostile and dismissive towards the actual skilled artists raising these concerns. You're just jealous. I found the shortcut. Yeah, it's just insult to injury to insult to injury for these artists out mm -hmm. there. But while mid-journey and stable diffusion are seen as a threat to the art world, ChatGPT from OpenAI has potentially much more serious implications for the wider world. Uh, while we were all distracted by image generators, the simple text-based AI bots that have been around for much longer got a lot more powerful. When we covered GPT and similar technologies in the past, the responses that it would generate off of prompts were certainly amusing, but it was pretty clearly just not written <laughs> by a human. It was it was abundantly clear that this was AI generated. There was a good... Uh, you it know, was goofy like that. There was a couple of years where everything written by an AI was funny because it barely had yeah, a grasp Yeah, sort of like with Dolly Mini. Like, yeah. the, the fact that it sucks is why it's funny. Yes. Now it's just like normal and it's like, okay, well... Joe Biden great. should pass a law making all AI algorithms limit their how powerful they are and the limit is at the point where they're still only ever going to churn out funny shit. What's um, surprising about that is they can add those parameters to they it. Could. Yeah, so it, it has a lot of... Put the uh, training wheels back on. A lot of tweaking you can do, but... Uh, but yeah. yeah, so like, used to not be so good, used to be good for a laugh. That's no longer the case. ChatGPT now does a pretty damn good job impersonating a human being. How good, you ask? Well, here's the Financial Times. Christian Terweich, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton, one of the oldest and most prestigious U.S. business schools, decided to put to the test growing concerns about ChatGPT's power and found, to his surprise, that it could outperform some of the students on his operations management course, a core MBA subject. In his white paper, Would ChatGPT3 Get a Wharton MBA?, published this week, he concluded, ChatGPT3 would have received a B to B- grade on the exam. This has important implications for business school education, citing the need to overhaul exam policies, curriculum design, and teaching. 
The chatbot, which has been temporarily overwhelmed by a surge in queries in the past few weeks, has sparked concern from many academics, including those in business schools, that students will use it to cheat in their essays and exams. Yeah, and I imagine that's already happening. Yeah, I would say if it's not blatant, then they are using it to get an idea and then pretty much change a few things. So yeah, the sudden, very sudden emergence of an AI tool that basically does your homework for you is something that the educational establishment seems to have been blindsided by. Fortunately, they are taking it seriously and trying to work out ways to deal with it uh, from that same article. Francisco Velasco, dean of Imperial College Business School in London, said, We are having serious discussions and a working group is analyzing the implications of ChatGPT and other similar tools that we know our resourceful and inventive students are using. (laughs) And we will be formulating policies around that soon. While stressing that the growing use of AI technology was inevitable and even largely desirable, he called for clear disclosure policies in class on whether students had used ChatGPT and predicted mitigation measures including going back to handwritten work, as well as more oral and class, or at least synchronous, discussions. Bring back calligraphy. Bring back oral. You have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oral only. Uh, but uh, yeah, We're bringing have- oral back to college. And you have to use like an actual quill and do it in class because anyone can just write afterwards. But I do love that ChatGPT chat doing homework is, you know, with students from the students' end, going to run into the same problems that there's always been where you know you pay someone to do an essay or a report for you and you have to dumb it up a little bit you gotta be like all right can you misspell some things that is the most uh the funniest thing like uh i guess i read an article i can't remember where they they showed like elementary school teachers they're like here's chat gpt like answering like your most recent essay prompt and they're like well right off the bat this was not written by an 11 year old Well, that, that, from the other angle, teachers have been dealing with that for decades as well. Because when you're a kid that like, dude, in elementary school, and middle school, like, yeah, for sure. In some cases, parents are probably, hey, let me help you with this. Yeah. And teachers look at it and they're like, this obviously wasn't written by your son or daughter. Um, but now it's like, well, was it a robot or the parents? Yeah. And I mean, even like even in college. Like, I I was on, like, the AP track in high school, and, like, so essay writing was a big part of it. But when I got to college, like, the amount of times I had to, like, peer review other people's shit, I was like, oh, like, most people who make it to this level aren't that good at writing. They kind of fucking suck at writing. And that's fine. But, like... Well, they're learning, Elliot. Right. I'm like, whatever. But, like, that opened my eyes. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, most people would not write nearly on the level of, like, a chatbot like this. It would would stick out like a sore thumb. (laughs) Yeah, so, look, there's... The human mind can still see it, apparently. So maybe maybe ChatGPT's like uh, perfect grammar and phrasing is the seventh finger on the text. Well, we just need a new AI to dumb down the ChatGPT. It'll happen if it hasn't already. Do this, but dumber. Yes. Like a, write this, even though I'm in college, like a 12th grader would write it. Explain it. Explain like you're five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But on the other hand, this news is being presented as slightly more alarming than it actually is. Uh, The guy who ran the test acknowledged that there are still some issues. Ironically, Terwish concluded that while ChatGPT proved impressively literate and analytical in drafting answers to the questions that he gave it on operations management and process analysis, its numeracy skills were far more limited. He did not test it against the full MBA curriculum, which includes marketing, finance, accounting, and other subjects. Quote, I was just overwhelmed by the beauty of the wording, concise, choice of words, structure, It was absolutely brilliant, he told the Financial Times. 
It was writing in Arabic pentameter. I couldn't believe it. Mm. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the English language all over again. (laughs) I'm dating this AI. Uh, I found a guy from Vice, uh, that Vice interview. He's going to cook me up one of those waifus everyone's talking about. His actual quote continued, but the math is so horrible. The language and intuition are right, but even relatively simple middle school math, it got so wrong. Which That's is interesting because like math seems like something that would be much easier to automate. But when, yeah. you're, when you're dealing with um, word problems, I guess, as they're called, uh, that is like there, there does require a certain amount of intuition to be able to like interpret that into math and then reinterpret it back into language. Well, here's the problem for one specific state. Uh, Florida, as we all know, is doing away with uh, word problems in math because they can be perceived as political. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that solves the problem of cool. cheating. <laughs> yeah. Cool. The new Florida Surgeon General, just like some dude, uh, yeah. s- some dude who. This math problem <laughs> is woke. Get yeah. it out. Also, yeah, they like canceled the, an uh, AP African American history class. Or... Yeah, what's the, yeah, I just don't see the value in it. Cool. <sighs> That's fucking racist. But back to chat. It's also, uh, uh, it's because of like something in there about, uh, homosexual studies so it's racist uh and bigoted all over the place cool yeah no it's not because uh it's about black people's history it's because there's gay shit in there. so <laughs> that's what they right. basically said yeah huh. it's absurd anyways meanwhile more alarmingly chat gpt recently passed the united states medical licensing exam hell yeah although just barely you know passing just barely Ugh. But still gets that medical license. Hey, just like a normal doctor. You're free to practice. This Malachi A doctor Lo- that passed just barely and a doctor who did great. Uh, well, I, there might be some differences, Malachi but they both Malachi Love Robinson, he was just five years too early. That's also true. Well, can the AI do surgery on a grape? Probably. That's That should be the final class every single time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another study tested ChatGPT against the MBE, which is the test that lawyers have to pass in order to practice law. And this time it only scored 50% on the multiple choice section. So um, there you go. Being a lawyer is harder than being a doctor. Kim Kardashian smarter than AI? Yeah. Well, until proven otherwise. So yeah, in none of these postgraduate level tests is ChatGPT some sort of magic bullet, at least not yet. But it definitely has the potential to help totally unqualified people land careers they they did not properly earn. And that's especially scary in fields like medicine. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, the processes for attaining those certifications and translating them into careers are long and involve plenty of work that can't simply be handed over to ChatGPT. Also in this country, just insanely expensive. Yes. So prohibitively uh, so. Yeah. Hopefully, higher education starts to put more weight on those aspects of education and less on the the test taking and the essay writing. Yeah. Because these people are training for careers. And they should is, know how to do those careers. This is the new nepotism. You it used to be, you know, your family name just got you into that p- managerial position at the company. Now a robot can do it for you. Now your family algorithm gets you out. Yeah, exactly. So you have two completely unqualified people, yeah. one through birth, one through a robot, and the world keeps on turning. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, this is uh, it's a problem not just for postgraduate education. It's a problem, obviously, for all education. And luckily, a lot of the same technology being used to cheat can also detect AI cheating. A student at Princeton named Edward Tian is developing GPT-0, which Vice explains here. The tool analyzes text for its perplexity, which is randomness of the text. 
and whether the model has seen that text before, as well as the burstiness, which is the variance of text over time. So a human written text would have high perplexity, something very unfamiliar to an AI model, and exhibit properties of burstiness, which are non-common items that appear in random clusters, rather than being uniformly distributed. Tian said that GPT-0 was wrong less than 2% of the time when he tested the app on a data set of BBC News articles, as well as machine-generated articles with the same prompt. Motherboard also tried the app using paragraphs from this article, which the app deemed were human-written due to high perplexity levels. Oh, congrats. Yeah, I don't even like fully understand how this works, but I tested it out. Uh, I, read, I, I ran some shit through G chat GPT, put it on there. Uh, it took a while. His site is... Uh... A little bit busy. Getting, yeah, getting a lot of use right now, but eventually it came back. It was like, we rate this like 95% chance this is uh, chat GPT and not yeah. written by a person. I was well, like, oh, that's cool. When you go around and mess with it, I don't know if you did it this time, but these parameters that it's talking about are the things that are adjustable. And it does, uh, chat GPT is still extremely cheap, but uh, it does alter the cost because it's the computing power. Yeah. But you can enter in a certain like uh, decimal of, how many random words you want or how the, the randomness yeah. thing or repeating words. And those are all things that you can, much like with the image generator, you just slide these around and however much money and computing power you want to spend, that's what you can put out. It's just, you know, well, yeah, it's, it's going to be an arms race, first of all. Yeah. This is a, there's going to be a cat and mouse race between humans and AIs from now until the end of the world, which yeah. we're 90 seconds to midnight, so that could be any day now. Yeah. But um, also, like, the amount of work someone's going to have to, like, really put in to ensuring that their uh, their essay for school passes the Turing test. Mm -hmm. It's like, without the amount of time you're doing, doing all these little adjustments, you could have just done the fucking homework, but the tale is old as time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's a bold new future that I don't think anyone's ready for because of how fast it's evolving. Yeah, I'm, uh... I'm heading down the Kaczynski route. Not, <laughs> not the bad part. Yeah. Just the part before that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm seriously looking into buying hens. <laughs> the damn eggs are too expensive. Yeah, I love the meme of the rich chicken. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, the memes are great. There was uh, the, one, the one meme that was like, uh, back in the olden days, uh, toilet paper and eggs were so cheap, we used to throw it at the homes of our enemies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, buy a hen and... <laughs> Yep. Hunker down, everyone. Apparently, they poop out like almost an egg a day. Yeah. That's all I need. There you go. One, one hen for me, one for my wife. Sitting <laughs> in one of those beautiful, delicate little egg holders where you yeah. crack it with a spoon. Main problem is figuring out a way to make sure my dogs don't murder these hens. Well, you can't let a fox into that hen house. Yeah. yeah. What were we talking about? Oh, oh yeah. Chat GPT. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> Anyways, a lot of this is going to have to come down to teachers changing things up, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. The New York Times recently reported on a professor who discovered that one of his students had used Chat GPT to write what the professor said, or at, le at least initially said, was the best paper out of the whole class. Wow. You brought a tear <laughs> to my eye. <laughs> it's so good, in fact, that wait. Hmm, something might be going on here. Mm. And this professor, he looks pretty young. He looks like my age or younger. So he knew to be suspicious of this. Um, but uh, yeah, here's what the article says that he did after that. Alarmed by his discovery, Mr. Oman decided to transform essay writing for his courses this semester. He plans to require students to write first drafts in the classroom using browsers that monitor and restrict computer activity. In later drafts, students have to explain each revision. Mr. Oman, who may forego essays in subsequent semesters, also plans to weave ChatGPT into lessons by asking students to evaluate the chatbot's responses. 
What's happening in class is no longer going to be, here are some questions, let's talk about it between us human beings, he said. But instead, it's like, what also does this alien robot think? I feel like a lot of this could be solved by just the teachers asking basic like questions about what they've written their their yeah. reports or essays about. Just like, you. Explain it's, just, like, you wrote this already basics. in your essay, yeah. so... Uh, uh, Why don't yeah. you come up here and, and just, like, you, it doesn't even have to be perfect, but rattle off some stuff that you learned this semester or yeah. this week or whatever. I it's mean, like, that's hard maybe to do. I'm wrong. That's hard know. to do in a class of, like, 30 to 100 students, though. Yeah, that's the um, problem, too. Not enough teachers. Well, I do have a solution for that as well, and it solves another problem that happens in our schools here in America, is you get... Uh, the best of both. You get AI and you put that into a uh, a robot that is uh, programmed to defend the children and you call it RoboCop and it shoots the dicks off of anyone that comes in the classroom that it does not recognize. It's a deep cut. And not a cut you should really see- seek out, but uh, it's there. It's just RoboCop. RoboCop shooting dicks off. I mean, that. yeah, sure. There's a Vimeo link somewhere. It's hard to watch. But yeah, another interesting aspect of AI tools like ChatGPT that makes them easier to detect is the fact that, like with those image generators, a lot of what they do is basically just plagiarism. The kind of plagiarism high school students do when they copy something and change the wording just a little bit. So again, it falls in line with historical trends. Uh, But that brings us to a quick update on last week's story about CNET having an AI write its articles. Apparently not ChatGPT, but something else. It turns out, uh, in addition to all the factual errors their AI was publishing, it was also just straight-up plagiarizing human-written articles published by CNET's direct competitors. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't... The CNET's own employees not stoked about this because it threatens their own job. CNET's competitors not stoked about it. It was also stealing from... Like, because CNET's owned by some big uh, media conglomerate. Mm-hmm. It was stealing from uh, other articles from other outlets in that conglomerate who were like, Keep that, get that fucking AI shit away from us. I... And I just want to point out, Do your again, own work. We, we made mention of it last week, but it's so funny because CNET positioned this as taking the weight off of all of their employees. Like it was a blessing that they were using. You guys it. are going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great news, guys. Um, yeah. We're going to have AI write some articles. Why, why are you yelling? Why are you so angry? Uh, also, tomorrow, you, uh, you're going to get a red light or a green light when you come to the door. If you, if you scan your card. Anyways, after spending some time with ChatGPT ourselves, it is clear that AI or OpenAI has put a lot of work into basically adding guardrails so that people can't use it to produce objectionable content or or even something that might be perceived by one person in the fucking world as objectionable. The clampdown was so rapid because this was like wild and free like a yeah. month and a half ago. And now you get you'll get kickback all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously they're doing this so that they don't get in trouble for yeah. you know doing something bad. Yeah. Uh, I I couldn't even get it to make a fake Trump speech where he denounces anime and video games because that would be harmful or a harmful or discriminatory act according oh. to ChatGPT. Eh, well, Elliot. Gamers and gamers protected, protected class. Yeah, protected class of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, clearly after Microsoft's Tay and OpenAI's previous GPT models, which were capable of some pretty toxic stuff, OpenAI wants ChatGPT to be very safe for work. Woke! <laughs> yeah. Chat, OpenAI's gone woke. That, that, I'm pretty sure that uh, statement is already out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, actually accomplishing that safe for work quality, however, required lots of work from human beings. And if you've watched this show for long enough, you probably know where this is going. Oh yeah. Here's time. 
To build that safety system, OpenAI took a leaf out of the playbook of social media companies like Facebook, who had already shown it was possible to build AIs that could detect toxic language like hate speech to help remove it from their platforms. The premise was simple. Feed an AI with labeled examples of violence, hate speech, and sexual abuse, and that tool could learn to detect those forms of toxicity in the wild. That detector would be built into ChatGPT to check whether it was echoing the toxicity of its training data and filter it out before it ever reached the user. It could also help scrub toxic text from the training data sets of future AI models. To get those labels, OpenAI sent tens of thousands of snippets of text to an outsourcing firm in Kenya beginning in November 2021. Much of that text appeared to have been pulled from the darkest recesses of the internet. Some of it described situations in graphic detail like child sexual abuse, bestiality, murder, suicide, torture, self-harm, and incest. <sighs> Tales old as time. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, also just... Just, uh, just completely traumatizing, like, people in the developing world, so that, uh... What was the, where they, like, outsourced <laughs> animation and, like, the whole team became depressed by it? Oh, I don't remember what that was, uh... I can't. I can't remember. Yeah. But anyways, that, that's that, not. That's barely anything, though. This is act, this is like the people on Facebook that have to watch like cartel beheading videos. All yes. Day. That, Except it's in text form now, which yeah. is like I had never. You know, you think of like pictures and videos and stuff like that. But yeah, there's uh, the internet. All is also full of just horrible, horrible text all over the place. Yeah, I mean the the fan fiction era of 2004 to 2014 provides a lot of inspiration for these AIs, And I'm luckily, sure. luckily, all we had to do was have these Kenyans uh, read all of it for us just all day long, read all this horrible shit. And no, certainly no trauma Mark it accordingly, or... and, uh, and boom. <laughs> yes, this is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, these people, these Kenyans, they were reportedly paid between $1.32 and $2 per day for their troubles, which those troubles included for one worker that Time spoke to, uh, recurring visions of a description of bestiality that he'd had to read. Um, these kinds of text examples, along with a separate open AI gig flagging child exploitation, uh, picture and video content that the same company took on was bad enough for that company, uh, that open AI outsourced for all this, who stood to make way more money than those employees, uh, made them terminate their contract with open AI eight months earlier than they'd planned because, yeah. <laughs> um, like, Oh, this is actually, uh, all of our employees want to die. This is not a happy place. And that's like almost... It's like the bare minimum, because every time, every other time we hear about this, those companies are just like, well, then quit. Oh, Whatever. well, yeah. yeah, like there's the, someone else take the job. And it's like, if it's that bad, it's like this, this company, remarkable. Was, this company was definitely exploiting these workers um, under the like outsourcing logic where it's like, well, to them, two dollars a day is like good money. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to take like 90 yeah, percent of all the profits normal, over yeah. here in America where we need it more. Uh, but yeah, they actually, they, they were ethical enough, the bare minimum, to be like, oh, uh, it's probably bad that we're traumatizing all these people. We yeah. should end this contract. Well, sort of good for them, I guess. I guess. Uh, the tiniest pat on the back. You did it. Yeah, maybe if you knew what was in the contract in the first place. I don't uh, know. It's just text. It's not, uh, How uh, bad could well, it be? They were also doing videos and photos. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, let's move on to some AI news that's less upsetting. But still a little bit upsetting. Just a little bit. Uh, if you have an NVIDIA GPU and do streaming or have to do lots of video calls, NVIDIA Broadcast, it's a great piece of software. It harnesses the GPU's power to do stuff like clean up your microphone audio in real time and blur or replace your background without needing a green screen. All pretty straightforward stuff that most people could benefit from. But a recently added feature, while impressive, is maybe less useful for the average user and certainly a lot creepier. 
AI-generated eye contact. No thanks. Yeah, so it is true that one of the shortfalls of video chatting is that you're constantly looking at your monitor and not at the actual camera that's capturing you. So nobody is ever actually making eye contact, which can feel impersonal. At the same time, knowing that the eyes gazing back at you aren't real is a very weird feeling. You've entered the uncanny valley. Yeah, these are uncanny eyes. Um, there's also some pretty unsettling limitations to this, like how... Slowly covering one of your eyes with your hand causes it to glitch out in a, a very uh, creepy way. Uh, also, they programmed it to seamlessly transition to your actual gaze if you look far enough away so you're not always looking at it. Yeah. But uh, I found, uh, while testing this out today, that uh, there is a point, there's a middle ground point where uh, it can't decide if you're looking away or it should like make you look at the camera. So it just transitions back and forth over and over again, um, very creepily, like I'm, like I'm creeping on you. I, I would love for some reason if this, like, if it worked, like you, you started it, and then like in a cartoon, you turn the lights off and it's just floating eyes, like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. That would be cool. Uh, or if they allowed it to where you could sleep and your eyes are still open, like Homer Simpson on the jury. I. I would like this more if it would make my eyes red, so people would think I'm cool because I smoke weed. <laughs> you, have to wear, you have to wear glasses. Whoa, on that guy's in, cool. <laughs> now, I I like what I uh, we'll we'll pitch the podcast afterwards, Insurgents podcast we were on. But I like Jordan's setup where you sit sideways. Yeah. And that way you're not. It's not implied that you have to look directly at who you're talking to. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Maybe we'll switch to that. It's also just like it'd be so funny if some if a gamer was using this. Just like always looking at the camera. <laughs> like, hey, look at the screen. Hey, he's really no scoping. Hey, watch the road. <laughs> he's no scoping because he's looking into my soul. Anyways, it's kind of a weird tool, but uh, I guess probably pretty useful for YouTubers who don't have a teleprompter and want to be able to read off a script. Uh, it'd be pretty great for that. But it's also yeah. just just knowing that those aren't real. They're not real eyes. Real eyes realize real lies. <laughs> I love that you got to use that. You should print that out and hang it in a doorway. Right next to the live, laugh, love. Makes you think. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> uh, anyways, we do have more news coming up today. But first, this episode is sponsored by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn about filmmaking with Werner Herzog, Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, Ken Burns, and James Cameron. You can improve your cooking skills with Gordon Ramsay, Wolfgang Puck, and Roy Choi. And you can learn from some of the greatest minds in music like Tom Morello, Herbie Hancock, Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman, and Deadmau5. Deadmau5. It's Deadmau5. Uh, with over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing that you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed uh, watching this one from Corey Damon Jenkins uh, about interior design and uh, you know how to make your house look cool. And uh, the thought that goes into it, you don't just buy a bunch of random crap. There's uh, you, you come up with a plan. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. There you go. Masterclass is accessible on your phone, web, or smart TV, offering classes on a wide range of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. Members can explore at their own pace, and each class is sponsored by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, and more. These are cinema-quality classes that give you unparalleled access to a renowned instructor. Lessons range from specifically showing you how to execute a technique to an instructor's insights about their craft that can be translated across many fields and disciplines. A new product that Masterclass is offering that's really intriguing is Sessions. Sessions offer a deeper dive over a month-long period and include projects to submit to a teaching assistant for feedback, as well as the opportunity to learn alongside a community of peers. And this is available to subscribers at no extra cost. 
we highly recommend that you check out Masterclass. Get unlimited access to every class, and as an Internet Today viewer, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash newsday now. That is masterclass.com slash newsday for 15% off Masterclass. And this episode is sponsored by Bombas. I'm wearing my Bombas right now. Close your eyes and imagine socks, underwear, and t-shirts that feel cozy like a fireplace and soft like a cloud. What you're imagining are Bombas, the thoughtfully designed, better basics that'll keep you comfy all winter long. Every item is seamless, tagless, and luxuriously soft. Bombas are the clothes that you'll want to cozy up in all winter long. And I bought Bombas for my whole family because I wanted them to cozy up all winter long as It's well. one of those products where you get it once and you're like, all right. And then I refuse to go back. Yeah. The, the, the socks and underwear, fantastic. Uh, yeah, so socks, underwear, and t-shirts. They are the number one, two, and three most requested items in homeless shelters. And that's why for every comfy item that you purchase, Bombas donates another comfy item to someone experiencing homelessness. They use the softest materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy wintertime layers. Their slippers are soft on the outside and even softer on the inside, thanks to materials like fuzzy Sherpa. Merino wool socks and t-shirts are ultra soft, super breathable, and never itchy, making them perfect for winter workouts and cozy relaxing. Are you a winter jogger, a skier, a snowboarder? Bombas makes temperature regulating clothing so that you can feel more comfortable doing what you love most. Go to bombas.com slash todaydaily and use code todaydaily for 20% off your first purchase. That is B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash todaydaily and use code todaydaily at checkout. Awesome. Yes. Use them so they keep sponsoring the show. Love the product. Uh, so back to the new ne- news now with some big hacking and leaking news. Ooh, I love hacking and leaking. <laughs> hacking and leaking. As if the U.S. aviation industry hasn't gone through enough in the past month, the U.S. government's no-fly list has been hacked and leaked. Now, the no-fly list is one of the many consequences of the 9-11 attacks. It's a list of suspected terrorists, criminals, and their associates though it's received lots of criticism over the years for including lots of innocent people, mostly Muslim, and also for ruining the travel plans of people who happen to have uh, have the same last name as someone, or the same, first same full it. name. Yeah, just anything like that. There are false positives all over the place. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> if every single person on the no-fly list was an immediate danger, uh, it would be a terrifying place to live because like, there's like over a million people on it or something. 1.5. Well, and, and we didn't even know that until now. No one knew who was on there, how many well, were on there. Uh, it's probably more than that now because this list, I think, is a couple years old. Yeah. But it doesn't account for all the no-fly additions uh, when... All the new Russians. When all the boomers were spitting on flight attendants. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the actual contents of the no-fly list have never been public for national security reasons. Until now, that is, because a Swiss hacker who goes by Maya Arsen Krimu published it to her very pink, very GeoCities-esque personal website, maya.crimu.gay. Her blog post, How to Completely Own an Airline in Three Easy Steps, details how she just randomly came across the unsecured servers for the airline Commute Air and started digging around. And the level of access that she discovered was pretty serious. She says that she would have been able to do stuff like cancel flights and reassign crew members if she'd wanted to. Uh, The no-fly list was a bit trickier to access, but eventually she got in, as shown in this part of the blog, with a picture of a Pokemon plushie and the caption, holy shit, we actually have the no-fly list. Holy fucking bingle. What? I mean, what a way for it to leak. Uh, anyways, <laughs> this, this is huge news. Ooh, is, I got the no-fly list. Yeah, <laughs> if it's forced Congress and various U- U.S. government agencies to once again question whether the U.S. aviation industry is long overdue for a major overhauling. 
Yes. And it came from a website that looks like it was designed by a 12-year-old girl in the year 1999. I mean, if you want a taste of what the old internet was like... It looked like that. Yeah. Uh, even funnier is that Maya did this while already being wanted by U.S. authorities for participating in multiple other major hacks in recent years. But since she lives in Switzerland, she can't be extradited. And in the absolute worst-case scenario, she faces a couple years in Swiss prison, which is a little bit nicer than the prisons here in the U.S., um, it's no Holiday Inn, but uh, yeah, compared to uh, what we got here, uh, Sw Swiss prison, you could do a lot worse. This was done, I believe, uh, by a regional, like all it took was a one regional airline having like yeah. the password be admin and password or something stupid well, it like was, that. Uh, I don't know anything about uh, hacking or anything, but it was it was a type of type of server. And so she pulled up, there's like trackers that just scrub the internet. Yeah. She pulled up uh, a website one of these trackers that scrubs the internet for unsecured types of this specific server mm -hmm. and like found this one just yeah. like on this list. Yeah. It was like, all right, let's look around here. Like, oh, wait, oh, is this an airline? Yeah. And hmm, it's like, I wonder what they got in here. That makes sense because it's like a regional airline probably doesn't have the, the amount of money or anything, the staff to completely secure all this stuff, but it's all, it's, you don't even have to attack Delta or whatever. Yeah. Just any, uh, just any one of these. Uh, we, also uh, terrifying, they're like, yeah, I could have switched crew around or yeah. whatever. Our cybersecurity in this country is fucking abysmal. It's decades behind. It's, it's terrible. Again, this is how they tell me the world ends. Great book. It's well, a very good book. Uh, haunting book, but yeah, you should scary read book. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of honestly surprised Russia has had the amount of self-control that it's had. Because they've, yeah. <laughs> uh, they've done some tests. Yeah. They've done some tests. Anyways, moving on now, finally, to the Twitter and Elon Musk news. Um we had a few nice weeks there when things were mostly quiet, uh, but Elon is back in the news. We don't have time to dive too deep into any of this. So let's just run down most of this before we get to the fun stuff from Elon's trial. Now, first off, after two weeks of forcing mobile users to see a curated For You tab every time they opened the Twitter app, after lots of public outcry that could have totally been predicted, Twitter reversed course and made it so that if you were on the following tab when you close the app, that's what it opens on next time. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what has happened twice before with pre-Elon Twitter, but presumably anyone who could have told them that uh, doesn't work there anymore. So. Or was just like, great assignment, sir. I'll get right on that. Here's that thing that you ordered in perfect working condition because mm. all I had to do was look at the old code. All I had to do was... Tell ChatGPT to do it. Yeah. Why would I need to have all these employees when ChatGPT can do a completely fine job? Uh, and remember also how one of Elon's Twitter cost-cutting measures was just to stop paying rent? Big we, brain idea. We already heard about one San Francisco landlord suing Twitter for $136,000 in unpaid rent. But it turns out that wasn't Twitter's main headquarters, just a satellite office. Twitter's main headquarters has also gone uh, unpaid, though. And that landlord is now suing Twitter for $6.8 million in unpaid rent. Oh, that makes more sense. That makes, because last time I was, I, was like, I even said, low. I was like, for a company that he's spent billions of dollars on, this is like a fraction of a percentage. And they've got like eight floors of this building. It's on Market Street in San Francisco, which if you've ever been there, that's like, that's so, yes, where all this the is, tech uh, shit is. This is uh, a lot more, this yeah, makes a lot more sense. That makes more sense. Meanwhile, over in the UK, they haven't paid rent on their London HQ. And while we don't know how much they're being sued for, we do know that they're being sued by the literal British monarchy because King Charles apparently owns the building Twitter's offices are in, which is funny. So, yeah, probably not going to work out well for them. But this is look, I hope it doesn't work out for either of them. Yeah, I, I, there are no there are no good people in this story. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to jump to the defense of landlords. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm definitely not going to jump to the defense of the British royal family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, what do they say in the Am I the Asshole subreddit? Um, everyone here sucks. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Um, Another cost-cutting move that Twitter recently made was to auction off a bunch of random shit from their offices to the highest bidder. Have a little garage sale. A lot of this stuff was literal just office supplies from all of Twitter's currently unused offices and conference rooms. But there was also a ton of industrial kitchen equipment since Twitter no longer provides lunch for staffers and has no use for any of this stuff. Uh, The crown jewel of the auction, however, was a giant statue of the Twitter logo which sold for $100,000 and is apparently just made out of foam board. It, it looks like it might be structural, but it is not. <sighs> um, it was just something they had in their lobby. And That'll that, be worth something someday. Um, a presumably more durable neon sign of the logo sold for $40,000. And a I feel f- like you could buy this at Urban Outfitters. Yeah, this is really just for bragging rights. Yeah. Uh, a planter in the shape of the at symbol went for $15,500. Um, Still too high, but like I liked the planter the best out of all three of these. Like yeah, that's kind of cool. But uh, with the neon sign, you could actually pay a neon sign artist to do yeah. a one-to-one recreation. This is just assholes with too much money buying this shit for bragging rights. Look at that! It's like look people that, who buy like the the doom buggies from Haunted Mansion and put it in their living room. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, at least you can <laughs> use that, I guess. Yeah. yeah, that's way cooler than any of this shit. Yeah, this is why actual I want the garbage. Twitter logo. <laughs> why would I fucking want the Twitter logo? And why would house? you want to admit how much you paid for it? Yeah, that's... You see that fucking, piece of shit? I paid $100,000 for that. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Take me for everything That's I'm how worth. I spend my money, ladies. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, now for the Elon trial news. Remember back in 2018 when Elon tweeted out that he had secured funding to take Tesla private at $420 per share. Blaze it. He hadn't actually secured any funding, and the effect that Musk's lie had on Tesla stock pissed off Tesla investors and the SEC. The SEC eventually handed Musk uh, what can best be described as a slap on the wrist. But now, four and a half years later, some pissed off Tesla shareholders have taken Musk to court over the tweet, which they say caused them to lose tens of millions of dollars. Uh, Again, I want to say everyone here sucks. Yeah, but but uh, (laughs) the fact that like the shareholders had to do the the heavy lifting here, like, I guess good that someone's holding his feet to the fire, but it just just... shows how toothless the actual regulating bodies are. Um, so yeah, at the trial this week, Musk said that he had every intention of taking Tesla private and had even received verbal interest in funding that move. Uh, so therefore, according to Elon's lawyer, the funding was secured in Elon's mind. So he didn't lie. That's like Trump classifying the documents in his mind afterwards. Declassified. And he also did a little magic trick. He sent him to Pence. He sent him to Biden. Yeah. <laughs> he also told the court that it would be absurd to think that the stuff that he tweets out has any effects on Tesla's stock price, uh, despite there being numerous examples of his tweets very clearly, directly affecting Tesla's stock price. Yeah. He's just sitting there being like, I don't know why anyone would, uh, I don't know, like, so <laughs> I tweet and, uh, you know, people buy the stock market does what it does. Yeah. Why would you think that? Why would well, you think that? Other interesting tidbits from the trial include Musk admitting that multiple people at Tesla advised him to stop tweeting so much, and he simply ignored their pleas. And Musk also claiming that the $420 price point was not a joke, and that any weed connotations were purely coincidental. Okay, buddy. Oh, and uh, at one point, the plaintiff's attorney accidentally called Elon Mr. Tweet. (laughs) (laughs) He probably loves that. Mr. Tweet? I mean, Mr. Musk. Wasn't that like Drill's old nickname? He, uh, Elon did love it. He changed his display name to Mr. Tweet. Isn't that Drill's name? I don't know. Mr. Tweets. Or something like that. I don't know. I don't recall that. 
Drill has always just been drill. Or maybe me. it's someone else that, you know, in the drill uh, universe. Could be. Uh, another, Mr. Another... Mr. Tweed is a great name, great shit poster name. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it's like Tim Apple. They call me Mr. Tweets. It says exactly who you are, what you stand for, and the company that you represent. Oh, uh, Mr. Tweet. <laughs> Can you tell us that your tweets, Mr. Tweet, don't affect the stock price of the numerous companies you own? So, yeah, I don't know. This trial is, uh, I don't know how much longer it's supposed to go. I think they had closing comments on Wednesday, so mm. I guess we'll see. Regardless of what happens, um, he'll probably wiggle his way out of this one, because <laughs> he always fucking does. He called a man a pedophile and got away with it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's not going to save him is Tesla stock uh, continuing to plummet, but it had a, a bit of a resurgence, so now he got some of that money back, but who knows? Yeah. It's gonna, I would be legitimately shocked. Le- I would be legitimately shocked if Tesla in five or 10 years is even competitive, considering every other major car company is doing what they, yeah. you know, give them credit where it's due, set the groundwork for, sure. but doing it and making it affordable or luxury, where Tesla kind of falls in the middle of, it's supposed to be a luxury car, but it's not really. Yeah, it's really not. Uh, you compare a $70,000 Tesla to a $70,000 like car from any other company, and the Tesla really doesn't stack up except on the tech side. Yeah. And even that, like they're losing ground. But the, the, uh, a lot of the, uh, the 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 bullish takes on Tesla still are obviously because of the supercharger network, which is again that they did a great job with that. But, but that's also going away, or the they're going to have to share. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyways, the other crazy thing that the, the metric that they base a lot of it on is the over one million pre-orders for the Cybertruck. Yeah. Well. People did hand over money for that thing. I know, suckers. But, but I, I prove me wrong that over a million people are going to demand and not cancel that pre-order when it actually becomes a reality. Like, hey, by the way, your truck's ready, ready for it to be delivered and pay for it. Also, it would be funny if a million people bought that thing because can you imagine like you're driving your hot new Cybertruck, you're getting looks, and then you see another Cybertruck drive past you because you're not special. You're just one of a million people with this stupid fucking car. Yeah, but luckily, the only people that don't die in an accident, a car accident from now on, are those in the Cybertrucks because if you're in anything else, you're just going to get smashed by the stainless steel and uh, the height difference. Uh, So, But the uh, the bumpers of the other Cybertrucks may be by design. I heard the Cybertruck might not have airbags due to some weird loophole. So I don't know. I feel like everyone might die in one of these car accidents. If you get in an accident in the Cybertruck, you're going to want to die. Yeah. <laughs> the embarrassment, the multiple people that you've killed in the other car. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's our episode. Um, if you would like to be caught up on the latest goings on in the most important saga in this country's history, the M&Ms, that's over there. What, what are the spokes candies up to now? What? They're taking away the spokes candies? Oh, mercy. <laughs> <laughs> we used to... Do things in this country. We used to have spokes candies in this country. We don't have the California raisins or the M&Ms anymore. And uh, Weekly Weird News where we, uh, a whole lot of George Santos news in there. Oh boy. Check those out over there. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a like. Let's get to 10,000. Oh, and also we were on the Insurgents podcast, but it's a paywalled one. So give Jordan, Uhl, and uh, and Rob Rob Rousseau. Rousseau, I think it's like, I don't know, five bucks. And you can listen to it. Okay, yeah. Go pay them (laughs) money to listen to us on their podcast. Uh, it's a good links below. Do they make it free at some point in the future? I don't think so. They well, might. I well, don't know. Well, fuck you. You got to pay for it. <laughs> Go do it. Do it if you want. Uh, also, leave a like. Uh, that helps out. And leave a comment. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.